When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Kyle, are we recording? We have a past 10 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to use Patreon. up too much tape. Yeah. It's for the Patreon. We're using too much tape. Yeah, too much tape. Jeffy, do that thing you do that gets us started. On tonight's DBL, can I do what? that? What? No, not yeah. yet. Not yet. Oh, wow. We're not no? there yet. That feels I like that you familiar. looked down at your phone though to see what, really? see what the line was. No, you got a little I, glance. No, I, 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 it's actually not on here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, right I just read some shit. <clears throat> Let's try to start this. All right, on tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. Do it, do it one more time. On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're <laughs> On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. Was that so hard? Fuck you. He should have written it down. <laughs> I'll write it down for next. On tonight's dad band land. All right, we're past here's that some now, of Jeffy. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 do it one more time. Okay. On tonight's dad band land. No, we don't need that. Here's some more. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> on tonight. Tonight. Mm-mm-mm-mm.
everybody, and welcome out. to it. Why is tonight different than any other night? It's not Passover. <laughs> <laughs> it's something much, much better. There's no slaying of the firstborn around here. What's happening is, this is Dad Band Land. Let me just tell you all, this is Dad Band Land, that podcast it is, that it is. examines all the music we love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band. The difference tonight is Dad Band Land is live together, all four of us, five of us actually, with Kyle, in the same room. At for the, the first time since before the pandemic. Since before the, we survived a plague to yeah. come together for this. This is outrageous. We recorded our pilot and our lost pilot together and to then get, haven't right. all seen each other since. It's true. We haven't been in the oh, same room since. Yeah. It's been two years. Yeah. Oh, guys, man, this is amazing, guys. Are we going to start another pandemic? <laughs> oh is, this, is this how it happened? <laughs> this was not our fault. Exactly. This one's a pandemic. Oh, I don't know. So, I'm Adam Felber, I'm the keyboardist in the band, and right over here... I am Kevin Burke, I'm the guitarist in the band. How's the band doing? <laughs> well, well, Jesus, I didn't know there was going to be some gotcha questions on tonight's episode. It's not really a gotcha question. Uh, uh, it's, we we got to make some progress. In fact, I'm planning to make some progress as soon as we're done with this episode. All right, and uh, what, yeah. what are we going to be talking about during the breakdown uh, the section breakdown, tonight? Here's the deal. Last week we were talking about that moment where you and I as musicians found our instrument, and decided we've got to be part of a band. Yes. I think tonight we're going to uh, lean into our first attempts to actually be in a band. Oh, that's going to be fun. And how outrageously terrible or great they might have been. I don't know what your experience was. I know um, was. A little of both. There was some outrageous. <laughs> there was a lot of outrageous. Uh, there was also great and terrible. Speaking of great and terrible, our great and terrible crew with us right here, I'm not going to say which is which, but right over there is real-life band manager Brian Frank, the proprietor of Brian's House of Wax. Brian what wax are you proprietizing tonight? Yeah, so now I'm the proprietor. Proprietor. Yes. <laughs> did, 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 we, did, we, did we land on that? I don't know. They did, we didn't. Was this a demotion from last week? I can't yeah, remember where we I thought I owned week. the house. You were renting to own last yeah, week. Yeah, you're renting to own. Right. Now, now I'm just the now proprietor. It's a, it's a yeah. leasing type situation yeah. yes. now. I'm not sure. You're representing someone else. You do have rent control, though. Interest rates are up. I don't know. It's tough to buy. Yeah, in tonight's House of Wax, we'll be pulling out Hearts. Second or third album, depending on how you look at it. Little Queen. Oh, that's going to be good. That's oh, going to yeah. be fun. We've lived with it for a week like we always do. And w- let me just make a note. We are intending now, because so many listeners have asked, to let our listeners know in advance oh. what the album is going to be. Because several mm-hmm. of them have, have written in at dadbandland at gmail.com and on our socials. And they have said, hey, dadbandland. If we had a chance to listen to the album a lot like you did before we uh, listened to the show, it might be fun. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's really good to cool. know because that yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Maybe, maybe we're doing this now. Maybe they've oh, already maybe listened to Maybe they've heard it. Maybe oh. they've listened to this album. Hey, maybe we did it. <laughs> in oh, the future. Maybe it already happened. Yeah. You know, what, you know what was awesome? When everyone listened to that album we're playing tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And now you they're ready to hear us talk about it. told them days yeah. ago? <laughs> that was awesome. I'm glad they did it. And that now is, we're all coming together wow, to talk about that's it. That's fantastic. Oh, I'm hey. really glad that car could hit 88 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. It did. We it saw did. some serious Hey, shit. speaking about talking, right over there across the table from me is another proprietor. This one of a jukebox. Yes. The Apollo. Anonymous jukebox. Jeffy's yes. jukebox. It's Jeffy Branion. That's right. Here with Jeffy's jukebox. And this week we're going to be talking about guitar rock versus piano rock. Piano rock? Yeah. Must it be versus? Well, if it's not versus, then I've come up with a scale. Okay. Uh, at one end is a rock band, and at the other end is a piano band. What, did you hear what he said? Wait a minute, wait. wait I, I a rock know. band and piano band yeah, is no, what, how no, you phrased what, that. Well, I, I, I think they're two <laughs> ends of a scale. 
But don't, didn't you mean guitar band and not rock band? Did I say that? Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah. Okay, and let me why s- would you say why that? Why don't I do so that weird. again? Let's try to say that. it again. Let's. Okay. It's a so scale. I've come up with a scale. Okay. And on one end is piano rock. Uh huh. And on the other end is guitar rock. Okay. Thank a spectrum, you. A spectrum yeah. of rock. All right, I'll take that. That'll take. That's just a, a hint of what is to come. All right. And one more note. We were going to have a guest this week. Um, his name is Jim Rhoda. He's a friend of yours. You, you want to tell us who he is, Brian? Yeah. So uh, Jim Rhoda, known as uh, the Reverend Jim Rhoda, is the uh, lead singer and guitar player of Fireball Ministry. And in addition, he is a producer of film and television, including the recently released uh, Foo Fighters film, Studio 666, uh, Dave Grohl's Sound City, Sonic Highways, um, amongst other projects. And he's a friend, client and friend. I am a. But we had to bump uh, him for tonight because this is our first time live in the studio. And yeah. frankly, we figured his schedule's open. He won't mind being bumped. He'll be available, right? I mean, look, what is he doing besides being in a band and producing yeah, so award winning visual content? Yes. I mean, if he's winning podcast. awards, then he gets time off. Yeah. So, so he's, his time is ours, right? And, and also, he, would, he could slide any of that for this podcast. I feel Listen, pretty, pretty when much. Dave Grohl calls, you're just like, Dude, no, no, I got a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm on DBL tonight. Sorry about that. Okay, it. so so uh, Jim Rota, we'll catch you next week. And now let's move to breakdown, Kevin. To breakdown. Well, tonight's breakdown, like I said, is going to be about what the hell we considered our first bands that we were in. Last week I talked about my my quote unquote first band, which was more a series of drawings Chaos. of the band logo. Chaos. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it was more spelled s- with a CH and an S, which is deeply disappointing for from a metalhead like you. Well, again, but the C was made out of bone. That's what made it. Oh, what was the H made, made out of? of uh, it was made, it was it was old English. Origami. It was an old English H. <laughs> was it really? Of course. <laughs> the H was made of cardboard. Think I'm an amateur. At this Not a lot of unity in that no, design. This okay. was absolutely. It was a bone C, and the rest of it was cartilage. It was, it was. It wasn't. You can't. You can't get. You can't see if it's cartilage on the logo. That was the problem. Yeah. I mean, cartilage you can't really tell. Cool. You definitely can't the, tell it was cartilage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. People were like, "Why is it all bone?" I'm like, "That's fucking cartilage." That's not all bone. Yeah, it can't be. Or else it would just rub. But then <laughs> after that, after that, I was like, "We've. I got to put a real band together. I've got to actually have a real band." And I don't know. This was high school. This would have been ninth grade. And I don't know what your high school experience was in that sense, but I had the problem of I knew like nine guitar players, no bass players, one drummer, nobody sang. That was simply how it was. That yeah, was that's how old. that's how it is all over the country. Is that how it still is? That's how it is even with the dads we play with sometimes in yeah. the neighborhood. Oh, when we get when we have a neighborhood jam, there's you know literally a circle of people. I'm the only keyboardist. <laughs> You're the only person say, not were... playing guitar. Yeah. There were no keyboard players. <laughs> no, this, in your, no, in your co- piano rock band. No, no this is cool also keyboard. Pittsburgh. Yeah. There were no keyboard also, players in the state. Also, I said I wanted to start a rock band. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Wow, On that's move. one end of the scale. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Anyhow, uh, so there was a lot of for me before I could. Before, I'll go on the quick journey on this. There was this guy who was older than me. He was probably four or five years older than me, named Weird Paul, who made cassettes. I had no one to inspire me. Then Pittsburgh, I had no. You grew up in the same neighborhood as Billy Joel. You knew you could be successful at music. I don't see the connection there, but okay. But you, you knew there was a person who was famous from your neighborhood. I didn't have well, he, that. from the neighborhood next door. But there was a lot of famous people from Long Island. Long Island is one of the richest music You're, areas in the country. You are proving my point. Okay, like my, you the, only had Weird Al. I had Weird Paul. Weird Paul. Which isn't even Weird Al. Weird was Weird Paul, his Christian name? No, his uh, <laughs> name is Paul Petrosky, and, and Weird Paul is still making music, and he he's almost like an outsider artist right now. You can look him up. There's some documentaries on stuff. He's still in Pittsburgh, still okay. making music. 
he made these cassettes, and it was the closest I'd ever seen. It was the most DIY thing I'd ever seen, and he would sell them at our school. And I'm like, well, I can do that. We can do that. And my best friend, his name was Pat Burke, also played guitar, not related to me. No. We made so much music. That you know Just of. guitars. Yes. Um, and then by the time we got, got a little bit older and met drummers, I switched to bass for a few years. I actually had a bass period of playing because wow. nobody fucking played bass. Yeah. There were no basses anywhere in town. Basses. <laughs> um, so I had a few years of playing bass guitar in there. In fact, I, your daughter was playing bass now. I remember I, I Yeah, she's, she's nine years old and taking bass lessons. Which is awesome because nobody would play bass. And um, and so then I played bass for the rest of high school. And part of college. I was in a Blues Brothers cover band. What was it called? It was called The Blues Review. You were a Blues Brothers cover band. Blues Brothers were a cover band. They were a cover band of a cover band. It okay. was almost, I mean, now you would do That's the thing. That's very meta. You would do the thing it's where, like a Russian where if, doll. if the Blues Brothers existed now, there would be like one in every city and they would have their own. Yeah. Sort of, we were kind of trying to, yeah. It was a lot of layers of meta. I don't even know how to explain it. And you didn't have a keyboard player. Let me try to remember. So all those songs that have screaming Hammond B3 organ sounds in them. I don't think we did. We had wow. three, we had four horns. Oh. Guitar, bass. Why do they call the show Dad Band and Forgetful? <laughs> <laughs> what's that? Nothing. He's saying you're, you're a forgetful dad. Go go on. I got to remember what's going on. Yeah. In, in go on bands. about your Anyhow, uh, then, blues I, then I got to college and everybody quit guitar and switched over to bass cuz guitar is too difficult. And the thing about playing bass is nobody really if you mess up, all you have to do, here's a secret for bass players. You just look at the guitarist angry and they assume the guitar player messed up cuz nobody knows what your bass bass line really was. So if you miss a note, <laughs> you look over at the guitar player and you're like and then everyone is like, that guy must have messed up because there's no way the bassist would have messed Bass up. Bass players never mess up. No. Not in never. their own mind, yeah. I've never so had that's that what you've been doing to me all this time. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> yes. it. Yeah, when I give you an angry look, it's because I messed up. I want to blame you. Um, that is my, like, that's sort of that's what got Genesis me story. through high school. We're making these tapes, selling these tapes. These were terrible tapes, but they were all recorded, like, on boom boxes. But we still did this. This is the only way, this is the only game in town, as far yeah. as I can tell. That's, that's an inspirational story. But how did you get through this? Well, as I told you last week, uh, you know, I was in the stage band in in high school, so I had that. When I got to college, I realized I needed a band. So I instantly formed two bands in college freshman year and then two more bands um, sophomore year. So I'll just do the freshman one, and if we're still interested, I'll do the sophomore one. Yes. Uh, one of the freshman bands, I answered an ad in the, in the, in the paper, uh, the campus newspaper, and this guy was looking for a band. He was a guitarist. He was a uh, student from Germany, tall. Blonde, wore black all the time, complete goth, and he wanted to start a band, and it was me and him. <laughs> and this upper class woman named Allison. Wait, did you who, have a, was there a genre? Did you have a, a genre you wanted to play in? Uh, you know, I was like, I'm flexible. And he's like, well, I like New Order. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a fan of New Order. And, and so he would, he would sit in my room with my headphones on, plugged into my DX7 and kind of make fun sounds for himself all night. Meanwhile, we had a bass player named Allison who, it turned out, had been playing bass for a couple of months. And mm -hmm. that band never gigged. What did happen is after the second rehearsal, Allison invited me back to her off-campus house, supplied me with controlled substances, and we ended up getting together and kind of dating for a couple of months. Well, so in one night... As a freshman, I was living the dream of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but there was, like, almost no rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, 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 the second story is I, I, I did have a cover band that I joined. Uh -huh. uh, they found me because they heard me playing. 
Oh, wow. um, and this was. Uh, Wait, so you were just playing by yourself you just, in your dorm room? I, yeah, they were just like, yeah, I was playing by myself in my dorm room. <laughs> Pro- probably with some friends there. You made it sadder than it I has don't to be. I don't know. Yeah, they're over there watching you play and, piano. Anyway, I joined this classic rock band, and classic rock wasn't my thing at the time. And then, and they were like, well, we're going to play, uh, you're going to love this because we're playing, uh, uh, you know, Give Me Some Lovin', so you mm. can play that part. That'll be really right. great. And I'm like, well, and we're going to play Fortunate Son. And I'm like, that's not my music. But I will join your band. Yeah, whatever it takes. I do remember this detail. The lead singer was a guy named Matt, and and uh, he he insisted that the name of the band was going to be the Midnight Electric Blue. Oh, that's a good, good we, name. Is it? And we did we did, <laughs> we did gig on campus, and and we broke up after freshman year. But the thing I remember about Matt is he disappeared for a year, and then when I was a senior, I wrote a play and I ended up casting him in it. Um, but he had had like this is this is completely for true. He had had, like, foot cancer. That's why he was away. Oh, my. And he had, like, half of his t- toes removed. Oh, wow. Oh, and I guess this was his way of dealing with it. He insisted on being barefoot in the play. Like, his character was barefoot and would frequently put his foot up on the table. Midnight Electric Blue, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? That's, um, what was wow. your first... The first gig That's, that I ever played yeah. was... Was I was a junior, and we played a fifth-grade dance with my band that was two guitars, two barely-tuned guitars, and a drummer. And we, we only knew rock songs, and the kids wanted a bunch of slow songs. And so the other guitar player, we just started making up songs while we were performing. It would, he'd be like, F, and then we'd play for a little bit, like, C, and we were making up a series of ballads for the last half an hour because, <laughs> because the kids just went to slow dance. They did not care about our rock songs. Wow. Yeah. No, so. no, our first gig was Midnight Electric Blue played out on the quad at Tufts University, and we played our classic rock songs, and we thought it went very well. It probably didn't. Uh, the <laughs> next year, I had a, co- a straight-up cover band named Loose Change. <laughs> And that's when I first started hearing that phrase that we used to, that you and I have bandied about in, in band rehearsals, which is like, guys, this one always works. I know oh, you don't right, like it, right. but this one always works. This song might be lame and everyone's going to hate it <laughs> yeah. in the band, but yeah. everyone out there is going to love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I could literally go on with this all night, but we shouldn't. We shouldn't, but uh, I just wanted to see how it started for you. I didn't realize that, that playing the quad was your, your yeah, first gig out. We played the quad. <laughs> And now we're going to pay the bills. Dad Bandland will be right back. DBL! DBL! Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. DBL and we are back. We are back. And we are rocketing towards Jeffy's jukebox, but we're taking Whoa. a quick left turn before we get there. We are? Yes, because I wanted to mention as a note, we were, me and Kevin were talking about our first bands. We didn't point out that Brian Frank, before he became a band manager, was a musician. And this is how you and I know each other. You want to talk about this? Yeah, so my first band in college was called AD. and What did uh, it stand for? Well, it was the stood for the lead singer's name, which was oh. Alex Dust, which is not actually his name, but his stage right. name. That's a good because name. Because that's, that's what a you good do. Stage yeah, that's, right? a good, that's a good stage name. Yeah. It was actually Alex, name Alex for the band. C. Dust. Oh, of course, Alex it made it more C. formal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Esquire. And, uh, and <laughs> I, knew, I knew Alex from uh, before starting college from a, 
high school, and I met a young guitar player named Jonathan Goldblatt, who is how you and I got introduced. Right. And because our, you were a drummer, right? I was a drummer. Um, and, and Goldie John played guitar. Yeah, Goldie played guitar, and Alex sang, and then his roommate Mike played bass. And our first gig was a battle of the bands at Columbia, where we went to school, and we won. Oh, and wow. then we took that money and invested in gear. I bought a drum set, uh, Wait, How did you play the first gig with on bongos? Uh, <laughs> no, borrowed, borrowed back <laughs> line, right, but yeah. the, other, the other bands. So actually, we had a really professional band at our school that like gigged around New York and stuff like that, and they let me use their drums. I knew like a guy in the band. Right. And they were so pissed oh. that they lost to us. Oh, because they were like great. an actual, like legit band with songs. They were so good. They were called Soulcraft. And we were like some bullshit. This is our first gig. Like right. we practiced in Yikes. our dorm room with me, covers? like using you... sticks right. yeah, on yeah, like yeah. a desk. And we just played covers and everyone went nuts. They held up signs for us. And, oh, that's yeah. great. And then we started gigging around New York. And actually, that's how I became a manager. Then my next band, oh, we had a manager and the band broke up. And the manager was like, hey, would you want to come work for me? And that was like my personal lightning bolt moment. Like, oh, I don't want to be a musician. There's this thing called the music business. Right. That's what I want to do. That's, That's so awesome. cool. And yeah. I'll, I'll just as, as a yeah. note, a couple of years later, um, Goldie and I met as we were, we were both coming up on the New York alternative comedy scene in the 90s. And I have never heard him play an instrument ever. Really? I knew, I knew that he'd been in a band, but I think he just kind of gave up the geet or at least kept it a secret. Was he good? He was the best guy in the band. I was the second best guy in the band. Wow. And we ended up jamming just the two of us guitar. <laughs> <laughs> we played like Crazy Train, just the oh, two of yeah. us. That's all just you Just like need. the stuff that, yeah. you know, we, we wanted to do that was kind of beyond the capability of the... And just just as a footnote, Goldie, yeah. like me, ended up moving out here to Los Angeles. He yeah. became a comedy writer of some note. He was on a bunch of late night shows. He wrote for Family Guy for a couple of years and became Seth MacFarlane's guy. He had his own shows. He had a couple. He of had his a couple shows. of his own shows, which were really yeah. terrific. But that's uh, yeah. So. When he moved out here, he lived with me uh, while he found a place. And, and then he introduced yeah. us, and that's that's yeah. how the biggest podcast in Los Angeles was formed. Wow! Look at that. That's our now, story. now let's let's back down from that alley and turn right again to uh, get back the way we were going. Yeah. What's down this alley? And we, we, we are traveling to a very, very nice location, well-lit, and inside, in the corner, bopping, is Jeffy's Jukebox. Welcome to Jeffy's Jukebox, and this week I have something special. Oh, uh -oh. it's going to be uh -oh. a visual oh, wait, aid. Wait. Yes, he's got a bag. I promised a present when we were all together. Yeah. Yes, you did. that, that present. Did. Oh, we can hear the bag. There's definitely some bag. There's one from Kyle. It's a, it's a Trader Joe's bag. That's our gift. Okay. I'll That's do this as close to the microphone as I can. Okay. Thanks, Jeffy. All right. So we're going to open these up. Open them up. Oh, man. Okay. This is pretty this tough is to open. Is there nothing in this? Is this Someone a life a lesson, Jeffy? Whoever opens it first open. gets all of them. Gets all of them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, okay. I'm not getting there. any of them. I cannot get this. I should have brought tools. I'm sorry. I, and I didn't gift wrap them because I'm not Martha Stewart. <laughs> right. But that's okay. Um, I'm opening mine first. But you're the proprietor of Jeffy's Jukebox. Oh, dude. This is what I was guessing that this would be. What is it? Tell everybody who's it? not seen. Wait, don't no, tell no, the no. others who haven't opened their yeah, I don't open this. We might have to edit down this audio. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you think? We, yeah. we might not. I might not get mine until the next episode. Yeah, it may be by <laughs> next week. Kyle, is yours oh, open yet? Yeah, this is, this is awesome. 
<gasps> no way. Yeah, can way. You believe this? Oh my god. <laughs> Dude. Okay. You are the greatest. All right. Holy shit. We are beholding a black box that <laughs> yes. on it it says Brian Eno slash Peter Schmidt. On the other side it says Oblique Strategies. Oblique and strategies. inside are a bunch of cards. Jeffy, do you want to explain what this is? Yeah. A friend of mine, Scotty, gave them to me many years ago. And uh, it's just a series of cards that are meant to be used when you have writer's block or you have lack of inspiration or you're looking for special inspiration. And I find myself, I will just open up the cards and cut the deck down and, and see what I get. And it almost always leads to something good. Or you have no idea how, first of all, how much I've always been fascinated by this and all this and all the Brian Eno stories about, you know, how, how he would handle the musicians or how he would go about a song. Mm -hmm. But also this is what I, I do all day. Just writing is like, I will hit a dead end and I have to have a new There's thought. There's always something in there for this, you. This is going to help my life in ways you can't imagine right now. Yeah. This is a and, great gift. and I, I, I just love, uh, the sort of un, the sort of boundless inspiration that's possible from something like it, that. It, it, I, something that's going to break my head out of the the ruts that it's always in. You know, I always go to the, I always go to the comfort zones and be like, ah, that's mm -hmm. what I'm going to do. This, this is huge. And this I'll, is I, a nice enough gift that it makes me want to start having hitting dead ends as a writer. You don't even have to. You don't have to wait you for a dead to, end to take advantage to. of it. No, and, and the <laughs> fact you, that it's if that so eventually comes, much, yeah. if that yeah, ever you, comes, you know, you you'll so have this. I have that. And the fact that it's called Oblique these? Strategies and it's Brian Eno makes me feel classy about it. It makes me feel yeah. like I'm it's, elevating and myself. I, I'm telling you, it's a comfort to have on your desk. Like yeah. It's always in my sight. I, I had a feeling that that was what it might be, but then I then I thought maybe it's an urn. Like maybe you were just handing us random ashes of something. I didn't know what. <laughs> well, that's the next it. gift. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. So one, one of us won't be here. It's that gonna be one, yeah, of one of us of you has the bad box. And <laughs> <laughs> let's just right. say. Let's enter the jukebox now. All right. Uh, now, Jeffy, okay. that was amazing. This is Thank amazing. Thank you so much. And we're welcome. You. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, so. I'm going to give you two points on my scale as a as a as a starting point. Okay. And uh, so this is guitar rock on one end, and piano rock on the other. And these are just starting points, so don't attack. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Nobody's attacking. You're all poised. Why? Like, don't hurt. Not jackals, but sure. like something faster. Okay. All right. Billy Joel. Which ends he on? The piano. Oh, okay, side. okay, great, great. Uh, Led Zeppelin. Just, uh, just to wow. start. That is, that is, a, that's an assassination attempt right there. That, how how could you? They're both on my list right there. <laughs> on my own personal. Yeah, of course spectrum. they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I didn't know if Elton John was. Wait, wait, what? Out, why? So. Why is the deck stacked? I feel like they're both very representative of this. These we've had forms of we've rock. had more than one um, listener write in, and and we've quoted that listener on this show saying that Billy Joel is not rock. Mm. You could have right. picked any number of piano rock people who are unquestionably rock, and yet you picked <laughs> one that would satisfy Kevin's need to slag on piano <laughs> rock. First of all, I didn't Billy, say, first why do you assume I'm going to slag on piano rock? I'm, I'm more fascinated. <laughs> I want to say I'm fascinated by, by piano being such a huge part of rock that slowly got dis diminished over time and then turned into what Billy Joel does. Right. Well, let's well get to let that. me say this. <laughs> Billy Joel is rock. But yeah. my issue, not issue, what I had to 
get my head around for this topic was I like how you you put Led Zeppelin on one end of the mm-hmm. spectrum, Billy Joel on the other. Yeah. I didn't even bother writing down anything for guitar rock. <laughs> I was racking my brain. What the hell is piano rock? If, I, if I'm looking at rock starting, skipping Elvis, mm-hmm. Elvis for a second because you know he's more of a singer. I mean, it really is Jerry Lee Lewis. It really is Little Richard. And at the same time, there is Chuck Berry happening. Fats Domino. Fats and Fats Domino. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a. It is a primary, if not the primary, instrument for rock and roll, at least through the fifties. And and as into far the sixties. Into the sixties. As far as I can tell, somewhere mid sixties. Somewhere Beatles-ish before Jimi Hendrix, it starts moving over, and then it never came back, as far as I can tell. It what never... do you mean, Elton John? Yeah, don't tell Elton John that. Yeah. Well, but, well, uh, well, there are a handful. We can name, like, right. like you say, three of them. No, but your point, as, a your whole, point is, yeah. as a whole, the actual end, I mean, it makes me wonder, can you have rock without piano or guitar? Are you, you know saying I mean? Ben Folds isn't as big as Elton John? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm making that bold claim. Okay. I am. That's legit. But no, I, think, I do think it's an interesting... Thing about yeah, so, so the question becomes where, why, where did the keyboards go? Right, because they're with the saxophones. To me, to me, I have, a, I have a partial answer to that. They're One thing that happened, Rossi. I think, is the, is the, the baby boom took over rock and roll. Interesting. And baby boomers, particularly white baby boomers, um, they weren't rebelling against a system that was keeping them down because it wasn't. What they were rebelling against was mom and dad, and mom and dad made them take piano lessons. That's interesting. That's that's part of it. And here is the other thing that I that I want to say that I think one of the things that made pianos and keyboards and Hammond organs uh, kind of like b- disappear a little bit from rock and roll is that the secret ingredient was racism, um, which is that rock and roll belonged to everybody and was more or less created by a lot of African-Americans in the 50s. In the 60s, the next generation of of white kids took over rock and and became really important and in the record business to say what was rock and what was something else that's not rock. All the keyboards were suddenly in rhythm and blues, which somehow wasn't rock. And they were in soul, whatever that is, different from rhythm and blues, but in a different record section in the store. There were tons of keyboards in all these great styles of music. They were uh, funk, not rock and roll for some reason, but lots of keyboards in funk. So right. I, I do think that like because the, the music business shunted everything away from rock that wasn't mostly white men playing it, mm-hmm. that the keyboard kind of went away in that moment. Well, I, I have another component to it that I that I've just realized even today as I was thinking about this topic which is the physicality of guitar right versus if you if you yeah. go to see a piano player play play rock they're locked in that one position on the stage not Jerry Lee Lewis but not Jerry, well not Ben Folds but, but, <laughs> still, but, there's, but the guitarist has the ability yeah. to be present in various spots to actually draw out the audience in a way that a piano player typically can't do right but I think Unless also he's the guitar. Going back to the historical context, where I thought you were going with this, Adam, prior to that was because you got you put keyboards in there as opposed to piano. And when I was thinking right. about piano, I think one of the differences, too, on the evolution of rock is amplification. Oh, that's definitely part of it. The issue is early rock had piano and saxophones. That's why I made that yeah, joke. Absolutely. Which you could hear in the context of a recording or how rock and roll was played. But as it got more and more popular... And you needed to amplify. I think that hurt those instruments as well. It did, right? although. But yeah. the electric instruments that came up were yeah. huge, and like you, you know, 
for some reason, Stevie Wonder's not rock and roll. Right. right. But Stevie Wonder rocks super hard on a keyboard in front of an audience at the exact same time as guitar rock was taking it, over what we it, called rock and roll. Is it possible that prog rock killed the coolness of the piano and keyboard? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's actually one of the things. That's actually one of the dangers that I was going to talk about Go in ahead. this discussion, which is to, you know, piano rock, if you're not careful, can venture into prog pretty right. easily. Right, it's a dangerous edge yeah. you're, you're, it's, you're skirting. You're walking, a, a, it's like a tightrope. Yeah, Some a of tight our rope. fans like prog a lot, and they uh, want us to talk I'm, about I'm it. I'm one of I'm not opposed to prog. Yeah. Fan. But I can't, <laughs> pretend, I can't pretend that uh, you know, Richard Wakeman performance with the layers of keyboards is yeah. the most rocking thing you're going to see. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of wizardry, literal wizardry, no, as well as keep, classical. Keep Emerson, as, as Richard yeah. is. He's the real. No, no. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but no, what I was going to say is this. Um, but you mentioned Led Zeppelin on your spectrum. Mm -hmm. sure. But Led Zeppelin sure had some keyboards. They some did. good ones. <laughs> yeah, they did. But they also, yeah, they, they did. And and they lost the bass for that reason, too, which I mean, was also can't... showed the, that instrument. But Led Zeppelin is a guitar rock band that starts without that. It, yeah, it's not until yeah. later you that they start showing up. You can't up. ban them because they used no, a keyboard. Just, yeah, same with Van Halen. The extremes. Yeah. 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 The okay. extremes. Yeah. Well, that's why I said those those uh, those were starting points. I would love to push further out yes, in further either direction. Well, let, well, you know, and, and where they <laughs> meet in the middle are where all my favorite bands are. I, I would like, agree with that. Like almost all of my extent. favorite bands. When you think of Queen, and that was that mm -hmm. was a negotiation between a gifted singer slash piano player and a super gifted guitarist. Right. And Queen is, is it's just. They're fantastic. Well, I would say the Beatles, too, because you can tell certain songs that are mm -hmm. written on guitar versus written on the piano, and, and it blurs more with the Beatles than any other band I can think of. It's well, they started they started writing on the guitar, and they got more and more enamored with the piano, even John Lennon, as they went yeah, on. Absolutely. And then, as everybody knows from that new uh, Let It Be movie, uh, what's that What's that called? The, the uh, Peter Jackson back. documentary? Yeah, the Get Back. Get, get Back. You know, that band comes alive when Billy Preston joins. Oh, yeah. Billy Preston is such a good addition to that. Yeah. Even in the film, Sgt. Pepper, he's the best part about that film. <laughs> if you can make it to the last 15 minutes, it's worth it for Billy Preston's performance. They don't actually make you watch the whole thing. No, to, you have to. to, get to you it. have to commit to the whole thing. Oh, okay. Yes. They made me watch the whole thing. They? <laughs> yes, they. They who cannot be okay. named. Because, you know, they are were werewolves and them are ants. giant ants. Yes. Okay. Just I did know that. Okay, That's great. science. It's just science. Yeah. Who are there? TBD. We All can't, right, TBD. We can't talk about that. <laughs> discuss there. <laughs> so I, I think Brian's point was really good in that, like, when you want to name piano rockers, you can probably name a dozen. Yeah. Yeah. And when you want to name guitar bands, you can probably start now and you won't be done. Ever. Ever. But and I also <laughs> have to ask, is, is that fair in the sense that I look even at, bands now and, and there aren't a ton of guitar rock in the sense that there was 20 years ago right there's a handful of guitarists that I love now like St. Vincent's a great guitar player who plays a different version of guitar that I'm used to hearing piano still has a presence but it almost is like both of them have, have become less present in popular music and I don't know if that I don't know if that was the if face was piano rock guitar rock no rock. Do you know what I mean? Like, eventually, <laughs> well, and is we're that in a post-rock? Yeah, yeah, we're in a post-rock Is that rock the world. evolution of technology, like I'm talking about, as the types of instruments and the capabilities progress, does that impact? And like what you were saying, Adam, too, a rebellion against what came before. Yeah. Yes. People who want to create and going, 
yeah, why am I going to use that old thing when I can use this new thing? Right? And, and it's what's the audience want. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, it's almost like I don't. If everyone's dancing to not live drums, then you're doing what you're doing. You're doing what you need to do yeah. to get them excited. But you know, at the same time, it is. It's just been fascinating that you know our sweet spot. Like we said are things are bands that have piano in the middle. As we've done on the show, there's so many rock songs that everyone thinks of that crowds love that don't have piano parts. No, that's absolutely true. I, yeah. I, I, I can't I can't pretend that guitars didn't take over rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> I submit that if they hadn't, maybe rock would still be a thing. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's a parallel universe. Um, I wanted to mention too okay. uh, before we uh, cut this is uh, Tori Amos. Yeah. Because oh. I think she deserves yeah. a lot of credit for her piano playing and for bringing piano into. Even alternative rock. I agree. Sure. And it's not yeah. present in alternative rock. Maybe yeah. even less so than regular yeah, rock. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Right. Yeah. Whereas what used to be called new wave rock is right. festooned. Well, and, and also, <laughs> with and also this is when we need to start. There's been a running running bit that Adam and I have, and I have had for years about me buying you a keytar because I want you to get out in front of everybody. And you yeah. refuse to accept this keytar gift for, for well, me. Well, for one, you've never actually bought it. Well, but I've come very close. <laughs> <laughs> It's it has been in the cart, and I'm like, should he's, I do this? He's come should just as close to accepting your gift. <laughs> you know what? This is going to happen. I don't know when your I can't remember when your birthday it's is, but July. when it happens, I would enjoy playing with a guitar, but it looks so dorky, and it's kind of an inferior instrument for for keyboard. Inferior? Yes. I don't know. No, I do know. Superior. <laughs> <laughs> Define what are your, what's your context for inferior? Just just the way it's not awesome enough. No, I, I mean like I could get you a pedal steel guitar and see how you how you would work with that. I, I so you could sit that. down at Go a little ahead. desk Go and, ahead, and play it like a like yeah. a typewriter. Why don't, we get, why don't we get you a dobro? But but, yeah. but what what every keyboardist knows is your wrists want to be in a certain position, your arms want to be in a certain position sure. to get the power that you need to generate the tones that you want to be able to get dynamics in there. And like the guitar is just not shaped. Yeah, right but for it, here's that. what you do get: you get the ability to stand awesome. Yeah. You get the ability to walk out to people and look <laughs> awesome. You get the ability. Do you? So, yeah. Do you look awesome with the guitar? <laughs> well, well, there's only one way to find out, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know what? Awesome. If, if, you need a, you need yeah. a guitar or an omnicord, or you're just not cool. Yeah. yeah. I, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm gonna if, ask this magic eight ball the, box sorry, if I can. <laughs> if you get out of the guitar, I'm going to the gig. Uh, yes. Wow. Yeah, we got one one ticket sold from the. Yeah. Guitar alone. Oh, that's one I more think than we this had might earlier. Be the key to resurrecting the band is you switching to keytar. Yeah. Switching to keytar. <laughs> yes. Exclusively. Oh Exclusively. Exclusively. Keytar specialist. Yeah. There is no such thing. Um, <laughs> there is now. Yeah, there is now. Uh, Breaking new ground. Rock and roll is back, people. Be. Adam's got a keytar. I, I am going to un- stop it. I'm going to uncomfortably back away from Jeffy's jukebox because it's playing a song I don't like right now. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back right after this. DBL. And we are back at Dad Band Land, and we're kind of freaking out a little bit about the whole, like, we're all in the same room it thing together. So it's not it's just, positive it's not just this, the podcast. It's just being in a room with people is yeah. strange, just in general. It's it's a good feeling. It is good. It is good. I'm going to hug you all right now. No, 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 no. completely <laughs> without anxiety. <laughs> a no, bit. There's, there's definitely some anxiety here, for sure. Yes. It's like first day of kindergarten. Hey, uh, before we get to that place that we're going to go next, Jeffy... Uh, or or somebody here, since you gave these wonderful presents out, this, sure, this sure, Brian sure. Eno's Oblique Strategies cards, let's draw some inspiration. Uh, Kyle, you, you you got one from Jeffy. You want to read a random card from the Oblique Strategies box to inspire us? Yeah, sure thing. The first one here on top of the deck says, try faking it. 
Well, wow. That, that's been the entire podcast. That's, that's, yeah. that's well. been my entire life. <laughs> what is this, episode 17? <laughs> Jesus. Where's the insight? Yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. Well, okay, I thought it was supposed to be things we do. That brings my crippling imposter syndrome <laughs> yeah. straight to the forefront of my brain. That's going to help. Um. Exactly. <laughs> These are supposed to be things we wouldn't think of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just things that take us out of our normal mindset. It's a good night to get in a fetal position. <laughs> This has been, you know corner. what? It's affecting us, guys. It's already happening. It's, it's triggering us. It worked. Yeah. It worked. It worked. It's totally already breaking us down. You, you know. Damn, we thought we were smarter than him, too. And he got us. Okay. Now, I want everybody to quiet down okay, yeah. and visualize. Yeah. Maybe even close your eyes. Sure. There's a mist on the field. Okay. It's just me and Jeffy and Kevin. Oh. <laughs> that was way, way loud. Wow, that was so scary. Right, so, so let's do, let's just do this again. It's okay. like Sorry. There, I'm, close, I'm, your, close your eyes, yeah, it might help. My eyes are closed. There's yeah, a yeah. mist on the field. Stephen King's The Mist? No, not Stephen King's The Mist. The video game, the game the mist? Mist? You're doing very poorly That's at this, just all of us. Uh, we're imagining. We guys, guys, okay. how, how about the imagining where we're quiet, too? Okay. Okay, okay. so there's a okay. mist on the field. Me and Kevin and Jeffy are walking across this field. Okay. All we hear are the sounds of our footsteps up ahead on the hill. That's the old Frank mansion. <laughs> Nobody goes there anymore. No. They say old man Frank lost his mind and started building something in there. Nobody knows what he was building in there. But it's cold, and it's late, and we're hungry. Mm -hmm. There's no other house for miles, and so we approach... <laughs> we oh. knock on the door, and it swings open. Yeah. Brian Frank. Is this old man Frank? Old man Frank's house. So I'm glad that I've been promoted from proprietor yes. to now I own a mansion. Well, yes. no, old man Jeez. Frank. Old wow. man Frank owned the mansion. And oh. you might be the grand, this is the future. You might be the grandson. And yeah. you, know, no, the you might be oh, the future. Yeah. You might be yeah. the creepy caretaker. We yeah. don't know. And I don't yeah. know if you checked the red fin, but uh, <laughs> creepy mansions are not going so well <laughs> these <Yeah>. days. <laughs> I'd Listen, like to leave the market. creepy mansion, but the market's not. Yeah, it's a tight market. <laughs> exactly. Where am I going to move? I listen to these days. Yeah, Jeffrey, where am I going to move to? If I sell it, yeah. I can't buy anything. No, you can't else. buy anything. Except yeah. for another yeah. creepy All mansion. All right, so yeah. we are now inside Brian's house of wax. <laughs> Brian, you're going to do your thing and tell us. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we already decided the first room there is the mud room where we get our right. wax facts. Yes, wax facts. Wax facts. Wax facts. So tonight we're talking about Hart's Little Queen which was released on May 14th, 1977, which means it's approximately 45 years old at the time that we're recording this or that you're listening to it. Maybe. Wax facts. Wax facts. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the, the version that I listen to is my copy, which is an original pressing on portrait records with the printed inner sleeve. And not so, to digress, this yeah. is the first time we can see your record physically in front of us. We've been watching cool? it through Zoom. This is so And it's an awesome, awesome cover, it's by the way. It's an awesome cover. Yeah, if... if I, I highly recommend to anyone out there to find this record, either virtually or physically, and see the dramatic Renaissance Fair photo. It seems like cover. some sort of prog rock the, keyboard the that might be happening in this, yeah. in this picture. I mean, yes. the, it is. And the props are incredible. I yeah. want to know, I, and I don't have this information. Well, actually, I do. The art direction was done by Mike Dowd and Marilyn Roman. Kudos. To you, Mike Down and Marilyn Roman, for your art direction. That because. guy looks like Crow from Hawk the Slayer. <laughs> and, and and you know what? We, we'll get to this later, but th that cover is not not related to the music thereon. Right. Well, or not, therein. Well, well. Well, it's Hart did come up with the cover <laughs> concept, by the way, and it is credited in the credits. Cover oh, concept for, by Hart. I do like that oh. they're on the they're, yeah. the two sisters are on the cover. Yep. 
And if that wasn't enough, you're like, I'm not sure I want this. You flip it over and see the most Renfair group of band, and you're like, that's it. I'm, I'm, and you guys I'm don't feel it. like that's appropriate? I feel like it's perfect. No, I feel like it's perfect. My point is yeah. that's what pushes you over the edge yeah. not to buy the record. Yeah. Oh, oh, if you're on the fence, you flip yeah, it over, you're like, no, oh, yeah, like, I'm in. Oh, yeah, in, in. So um, this was their second or third album, depending on how you look at it. And so if you guys will bear with me, I'm going to tell the story of yes. how this album came to be. So... Um, if you're unfamiliar with the band Heart, I definitely recommend listening to them and learning about them because their story is really uh, interesting and impressive on the work that they did to become successful. Um, and the Wilson sisters were from uh, Washington and actually moved up to Canada to make it. And their debut album, Dreamboat Annie, was released in September 1975 in Canada, where the band was based. And then it wasn't released in America until Valentine's Day 76. This is on Mushroom Records. That's important for everyone to know. Um, and it became a huge hit uh, with the singles Crazy on You and Magic Man. Two fantastic songs. Yes. Incredible songs. And, you know, if you have a radio, you've probably heard them a million times, at least if you're yes. our age. Grew up with those all the time. <laughs> What's a radio? <laughs> um, so what happened was the, the album was successful. And so in 1976, they started recording their follow-up. Uh, for Mushroom Records, which was called Magazine, the name of the album. And ironically enough, it was a magazine ad that became the unraveling. Um, so what happened was uh, the label Mushroom Records uh, ran a full-page ad in Rolling Stone in December of 1976 uh, to celebrate the platinum success of the album. And I actually have a copy of it right here, the ad. Oh, I was wondering, I read see. about that. I'd not seen that. Why don't you that. describe it to people? So it's like a fake National Enquirer cover. It says National Informer. Million to one shot sells a million. So again, they're celebrating the platinum uh, record. And what it is, is it has the Wilson sisters um, bare-shouldered, uh, back-to-back, and it says underneath them, Hart's Wilson sisters confess, quote, it was only our first time. So obviously, Ooh, you know what I, yeah. you know what siblings love uh, when they're in, accused of having an incestuous <laughs> affair. That's 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 always the kind of thing that siblings are crazy about. Clearly, a sexist and inappropriate yeah. type of promotion stunning, stunning of their thing. album. So, ironically enough, at the same time, the band had been trying to renegotiate their deal with Mushroom Records because the first record was so successful, they felt like they were owed additional royalties. But when this ad came out. It destroyed everything, and just the relationship just fizzled out altogether. Uh, so they stopped recording. They didn't renegotiate. Um, not going to get into some some more deeper stuff about it. Uh, maybe we'll put it in our Patreon. Uh, yes. But we can talk yeah. about Wax Facts uh, bonus edition. Yeah, bonus edition. Wax I could talk about this all day. <laughs> but um, so they had only cut five songs at that point during these 1976 uh, sessions. And so they were able to, they felt like they had a position to get out of their deal um, and sign a new deal because in the deal, the producer, Mike Flicker, who was really important to their career, their record deal actually stated Mike Flicker had to produce the albums and he was on staff at Mushroom Records and he was so incensed about this whole situation that he left the label. Oh. So from the band's so now they had a, loop, a loophole. Right, exactly. Yeah. So for the band's perspective, they're like, well, you can't supply the services that you're supposed to supply. We can get out. They signed right. a new record deal. Okay. So March and April 77, they started, they recorded this album, Little Queen, in Seattle uh, for Portrait Records. And the 
album was really successful based on the hit Barracuda, which hit number 11. Uh, that's the big single that, again, there you go. Thank Let's you, take Kyle. a little bit of this. Yeah. Yes. That's nice. so good. Let's just get a tiny taste of her voice because it the is whole song. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, so, Jeffy. So awesome. So awesome. And, you know, we should talk about this, but a female led band like this, incredible. Absolutely. Incredible, and really not many similar. Well, acts. And, and and truly led, you know, like yeah. like writing all the songs. Yeah, the, the key members, absolutely. Yeah. And so, ironically enough, that song was instigated by that ad. So what had happened was there was a Detroit DJ that asked Ann Wilson, the singer, about her lover, referring to Nancy, her sister, implying that they were uh-huh. incestuous lovers. Which, of course, <laughs> angered them, and Anne went and uh, went back to the hotel and wrote the song, and then Nancy told Nancy what was going on, and they created this incredible. It's a song. great song. It's a great song. Yeah. Um, and this record uh, ended up going triple platinum, okay? Um, when it came out in uh, May of '77. Crazily enough, a month prior to the release of this album, Mushroom Records released magazine the album for, the five song for which, album that they had only recorded five songs they added two live tracks and the b-side to their first canadian single and the way they thought they could get around this was on the back cover it said quote mushroom records regrets that a contractual dispute has made it necessary to complete this record without the cooperation or endorsement. <laughs> oh, of the that sounds on the up and up. They're totally oh, legal, right? Totally, yeah, who totally, have, totally who have who have expressly disclaimed artistic involvement in completing this record? Jesus, wow. we did not feel that a contractual dispute should prevent the public from hearing and enjoying these incredible tunes. Oh, this spin! <laughs> right? This is the wow. most outrageous Awful. spin I could ever think of. Wow! So fifty thousand units were pressed. The heart sued. A court injunction stopped the sales. But ironically enough, the same court injunction, the settlement was that they looked at the deal and they said Hart actually does still owe Mushroom Records a second album. So the band went in, redid these songs, they re-recorded it, and a new version of magazine was released uh, on April 22nd, 78. Um, and, and that sold well too, right? Because Hart was huge at that point. Hart was yeah. huge. And so I'll, this is the, the end of the facts, and then we should we should definitely talk about, we, we have some things to discuss. But... Um, <laughs> The, to me, the irony is, although, of course, this whole circumstance was so frustrating to the band and so challenging for them, you know, throughout this period, but what it resulted in is they had three albums on the chart at yeah. the exact same time. How many bands can say that, right? Wow. Because right. of the, the label doing that stuff, they actually Cause had three records on the chart. Crazy so, deals. Yeah. Unreal. Wow. Thank you for those wax facts. <laughs> now let's get to the music. Oh, yes. man. Kevin, do you want to start this? Because you know, I, I feel I like you want to start I this. I do. Yes. And I mean, I, I, I'll put it in a little bit of a context. I had never heard of Heart until, until 1985, until their self-titled Heart album, which I loved. And then I paid attention to them with a few albums after that and then kind of lost track. And, and I knew Barracuda from the radio. I'd never, I'd never heard this album until this week. Hmm. 
and I popped, this album was a gift to me. Yes. This was like finding out that there was a Led Zeppelin five. Yeah. Like this. Well, that's is very, so very appropriate. Yeah. Stunning to me. And it, I had never heard this album all the way through either. I mean, Heart was ubiquitous on the radio when I was delivering yes. papers in the late seventies, <laughs> like penny savers before I was trying graduated to your, up to trying to buy your keyboard. Yeah, yeah, trying to buy my keyboard. You know, um, Barracuda, Magic Man. Uh, th those songs were just on the radio all the time, so that I figured like I knew what Heart was. And then I listened to this album this week, and I realized yep. I did not know. I didn't same. either. Yeah, Jeffrey, same. you want to? You wanna... Yeah, same for me. I mean, obviously, Barracuda, it's a masterpiece. Sure. It's it's. I can't think of a stronger way to to open an album, but it was really "Treat Me Well" mm -hmm. is uh -huh. Uh -huh. probably my favorite song on the album. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think I love it just because the beginning is really beautiful. Yeah. No, it's yeah. good. are playing across the board. That. So, and that's the thing, too, is... Barracuda is so out of whack with the rest of this record. Well, that is up to the Led yeah. Zeppelin quality of it, where yeah. it's like the Black Dog to to yes. the later like uh, Battle of Evermore so, sort of sound. Okay, yes. so yes. that's my question. Sylvan's song. Yes, it, it's Battle of Evermore and the Dream of Archer. It's yeah. it's like a it is it's the it's the sequel to Battle of Evermore. Right. Yeah. So sense. for those of you who haven't heard it yet, there yeah. after Barracuda, it, the the. The uh, album takes a turn towards that Led Zeppelin-y Renfair stuff. And that's why, why I said that the album yeah, cover yep. was so appropriate. so appropriate. Because this album, I think the original title was Straight Out of Renfair. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> because all of a sudden we're in this world of like LARP rock right. that we had not been in before. Well, but I got I to add a thing because this is, and I don't want to, I was trying to find a way to say that this is really Led Zeppelin 5 without diminishing how great. Heart actually is. This sure. is like Led Zeppelin with better harmonies, with mm -hmm. some more eclectic songwriting. They clearly love but Led like, Zeppelin, though. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. But it is, I enjoyed this more than the last three Led Zeppelin albums. Do you know what I mean? I think this, mm -hmm. this, this was, I know it's weird to say don't sit on an album that's 45 years old, but don't, if you haven't heard this record, do not yeah. sit on this record. I mean, just the fact that more than one of us hadn't heard it all the way through. It's, it's, three it's of us. Appalling <laughs> to me. Wow. It's appalling to me because I love this. As soon, I mean, I was halfway through and I was like, this is one of my favorite albums of all time. This was like, uh, this was so good. That makes so happy. I feel yeah. like I'm sharing the, so, and here's the thing is, on the Led Zeppelin point, they covered... Stairway to Heaven in concert in this era. Oh, I didn't and know. And the, the deluxe edition that. reissue of this has a live version of them playing Stairway to Heaven from 1976. I'd love to hear that. I think... Yeah. Not I, on the original vinyl, though, Jeffy. Sorry. It makes it really weird that there weren't more women singing that way at the time. And that just yeah. has to be the product of sexism, right? Because yeah. you yeah, hear Ann Wilson's voice and the way that she can fill out an, a note better than a guy could. Yeah. And and, oh, and, and just rock it so hard. Oh, and the, all the guitar, all, yeah. all the guitar, guitar playing guitar is, work. is incredible. Yeah. It's top, and it's not. I mean, I knew that she could rock. It's the acoustic songs, the things yeah. like that. Like she's she's covering yeah. these. It's she everything. is. She's out Jimmy Paging to be Page. Yeah. And doing. the layers of harmony. Playing. One I want to point to. I'm usually don't like it when some sort of like you know uh, you know middle American or or British band decides. Oh, we're just going to break out some Caribbean stuff for one song. <laughs> but somehow on that song, say hello. Mm -hmm. They completely win oh, me over works. with this with it this works. thing, and then, you know, Jeffrey, if you could get us to the chorus of "Say Hello," um, and and it's just really really nice. Say hello. Say 
it's gonna pop back into its thing right here. Take a minute. I would love to take take a minute to go to one of my favorite sections, which is which is this bizarre yet perfect bridge section of Little Queen that's in the oh, middle of it. And I'm, where it slows down. Yeah, I'm a like for instance, I'm a huge Mastodon fan. I feel like their entire career is from that middle is lifted from that middle section yes. of Little Queen. If, if you can, listen, if you could point to the lyric, yeah, Jeffy I'll, can actually tap well, the I'll, lyric. I will get to. It's not the lyric, but it's that section. But go a little bit earlier if you would. So it's like a great '70s rocker. And then it turns into, then it goes to this other spot, which is incredible. Here it comes. Yeah. This could be Metallica. Yeah. That's the straight up Master John section. <laughs> All right. And, and it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, and it goes back to the song, and I'm like, how did they do this? How did they get that song to become this other song? I thought you were going to talk about uh, Love Alive. If you go to about uh, two minutes, 40 seconds into Love Alive. Well, we're, is... we're taxing Jeffy as, as yeah, our DJ tonight, great. but like, it's, it's great that now that it's we're together, we can actually do this. this. Those harmonies, like, I love Robert Plant. He doesn't sing those harmonies. No. He no. He's never done that. Well, there, there, there was nobody else in the band who could sing, right? So well, it was like, he's he, he, also overdubbing, though. He never even chose to do that. He right. basically was like, these, you know what? I'm going to make these that's sounds. That's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> I did my thing. This is my thing. My, my, my reedy, wonderful voice, but... Not not like there. So usually we have some sort of controversy about this thing. So some some of us like one thing, some of us like the yeah. other. This album is just like such a it's such a slam dunk, and it's probably one that most of our listeners haven't heard. I agree, yeah. and my only controversy is that I wasted so much of my life not knowing this album. Yeah, I mean, I I do feel like I I'm certainly glad that it's a part of my life now, but it is a part of my life. Yes, like. This is a yeah. I could see myself skipping Sylvan Song eventually after nope. a few more listens. Nope, no. it is no. It goes. It is directly part of Dream of the Archer, and they belong together. And Dream of the Archer. That's the one I could see cry to me. Skipping. Cry to me is great. Try to skip. Cry to me. I'm not going to skip. Cry I to me. I dare you. I'm not going. Are you no. trying to skip? Cry no. to me. Why, no. why, why did you skip it, Adam? That's so I, weird. I, I, I skip haven't skipped anything. Quit yet. skipping it. Oh, what do you have no. against Cry to me? Uh, I'm faking it. Now, like I said, I for those listening, and if you've heard it before, we did this. This gets the highest DBL recommendation. I feel like we've yeah. This is this is a DBL like, stamp of approval. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Bringing bringing us all together. I had one question for Adam though, because I had to look this up. Do you know what a Selena is? I was looking at all the instruments. That Selena were, is that S O L I N A. S O L I N A. I do not know. I'm imagining it being some kind of lute, but I do not know. I do not <laughs> know what a Selena is. This is you guys. In addition to the guitar, yeah. you got to buy Adam. A saloon, a saloon. It's a it's an ARP string string synthesizer. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. Well, I'm yeah, on board that, now. That sort of thing was a thing back then. You had yeah. these specialty boxes that yes. would do different right? synthesizing. Oh, and if only I hadn't sold mine. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of specialty boxes, buy the things that are in these boxes. We'll be right back. Dead Van Land.
JBL. They might be in bags. And we're back. DBL, everybody. DBL is and back. We were dis- Brian and Kevin were disappearing down a vinyl hole. Um, <laughs> so I am glad we're back on the show. They right, were just- you brought us back by singing. You really sang an acapella version of what song was that? Uh, that was um, Firefalls, You Fire Are the Falls, Woman. You Are the Woman. Yeah, that yeah. brought us right back from our <laughs> yeah, wormhole. From the dead. From the dead. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Clear. Beyond the grave. <laughs> That'll be. Uh, I just want to remind everybody: follow Patreon. us, follow <laughs> yes. us on all the socials. Uh, we're also dadbandland at gmail.com. We want to hear your opinions of the stuff we're talking about. We want to hear your guilty pleasures, and we want to hear your hidden treasures. But tonight is not a night for hidden treasures, is it? Tonight no. is a night for guilty pleasures. Guilty all pleasures. Right. We still have to work on all those theme songs, guys. Yeah. Everything that we do needs right. a little musical yeah, a little stage. Jingle. Yes. Little jingle. We can't Absolutely. leave it all to Kyle. So, um, once again, guilty pleasures, songs that you don't feel good completely about loving, but you love them nevertheless. And this one, I'm going to start with this one, because this one's completely guilty. And I actually have a little uh, presentation for you. It's it's a short one. Not only am I guilty about um, loving this song, the person who wrote and performed this song is... um, has essentially disavowed this song, too, and feels guilt. Um, This is what he said. He said, I'm not dumb. It became pretty obvious to me that no matter how lofty my aims, what I had was a novelty. It was essentially, does your chewing gum lose its flavor on the bedpost overnight? It was one of those hit records that actually makes you less popular. It was the worst kind of hit anyone could have. (laughs) Jesus. It's a big setup. Not yet, Jerry. And I just want to say that I... By the way, this is a little bit of piano rock. It was probably the first song as a little little kid, that first hit song that I learned how to play on my little piano. Oh, wow. oh. And little is the key word here, Jeffy. I still love it, even though it's wrong. Was really? a massive, you've never heard that massive song. I've never, you know, because that's, I don't listen to terrible songs. <laughs> well, but that's how I came to know Randy Newman. That's how, I, that's how I, most of America came I to know him. I can't believe piano rock didn't last after hearing that song. <laughs> well, that song is in no way rock. It's it's it's, it's got sort of. I honestly, a I, mean, I know Randy Newman in general. I did not know that song. I mean, it's rock in the same way that cop rock till now, is. Not until, honestly, till right now. But you've heard of the song. I know. I guess I knew it in name. I, I've actively not thought about it. All right, let me get, let me give you some it. context then. Yeah, please. Uh, so, um, this song came out in the late seventies on Randy Newman's album Little Criminals. And like he did at that time, he embodied just the worst people in his songs. I mean, that song Rednecks is another. I mean, there's there's some brutal songs that like you couldn't do now because now now it's this dude. You you don't get to play loathsome characters in songs anymore. And his feeling at the time was 
all prejudices are so weird and random. Wouldn't it be funny to write a, 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 a song from the point of view of somebody who was prejudiced against short people? Because isn't that random? Right. And it was, a, it was a huge hit. It quickly backfired, but it's super catchy. I can't deny that it's catchy. Yeah. I honestly got I've never heard it, so I think I uh, I spared myself. And you know what? Years after, I thought anybody was ever allowed to play that song. There was an episode of a David <laughs> E. Kelly song. I mean, there was an episode of a David E. Kelly show. It might have been Ally McBeal. It might have been that Boston Legal show where an entire – where one of the stars of the show and an entire church choir sings that song. And that's like, that's like early 2000s. Wow. Yeah. I remember hmm. hearing it as a child and finding it, like, upsetting and <laughs> – and I was like, that you is were probably just short upsetting. at the time. Yeah, so it was about you. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, it was, it was part. It was part of my kind of like a game in my family too, because my sister is four years younger than me. So she would start walking downstairs, and I would start playing that song. Like I didn't want short people around, and she she would laugh and have to run up the stairs. It was a thing. It was wow. a thing in my it household. Was a thing. Yeah. A we're thing you use to terrorize your sister. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Amongst she's other things. She's in therapy now, but it was a yes. thing. It was our thing. Yeah. There you go. There's she, my guilty. She can afford the therapy. Well, she can afford the therapy, but it was our thing. Genuinely guilty pleasure. That Top was that. genuinely that, that <laughs> set in the bar pretty uh, And that was Dad Band Man. Thank you very much. <laughs> Great episode. Uh, wow, you, hey, Jeff, you wanted to go second. Yeah. <laughs> You've set the bar pretty high. Which <laughs> or low. It depends how you look at it. Oh. Boy. Oh, I didn't even mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I meant that my choice was it's inherently the, loathsome. The accidental. <laughs> so, at the risk of just topping it, I'll just play it. Wait a minute. Oh, man. I mean, honestly, this is the best piano song ever. <laughs> Yes. You, did this, you did this specifically for Kevin. Adam, you're finally getting this out. This is what you've been dreaming of. This some can of be played lyrics, on a keytar. Some of these lyrics are some of my favorite yeah, Absolutely. Lyrics. Absolutely. We're headed to Venus because maybe they've seen us. <laughs> the whole album has a lot of lyrics about various cultures, trails of tears. It's, your, it's the European view of our country. It's pretty, pretty fascinating. What a great... Guitar intro. It's not a guitar. It could be. <laughs> I can play. I even can play that. That doesn't need both hands. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, this, I have to say, this galloping beat reminds me of Barracuda. Absolutely. <laughs> no. yeah. Barracuda leads to Iron Maiden, which leads directly to your final countdown. I love Swedish rock. I do too. I feel like the Swedes figured it out over the years, and every stage of them figuring it out is entertaining. I, yeah. I think the thing that I find fascinating about Europe is like most rock bands that we were into, like we're about partying and just like being awesome. Europe has everything is like some sort of cautionary tale. Yeah. Everything is about some world. Like they can't just, yeah. they can't just let their hair down and enjoy No, there's got to be 99 there's love some, balloons. And there's some great hair. There's some great I, hair. I, I also very well was, I, oh, I, I, I want to intercede yeah. here and just say for those of you who uh, don't recognize that song, that is <laughs> that is the final countdown by the band Europe. Yes. yes. And yes. I'd say the Swedes do a better job of being Americans than Americans do at this point. Okay, they have perfected being American. Uh, you might be right. You might be right about that. <laughs>
<laughs> I, uh, I, that as, as, as long-term listeners know, that's the song that I've regretted not performing in our band because I know that Adam, no matter what, so- what song we're playing, that's what you're thinking in your head. I'm almost never thinking it until somebody plays it and then I have to think it for the rest of the day. Yeah. Adam, and I don't, it's not happy. Yeah. Was that, was that what, uh, your dorm mates heard you play? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what no. got you into the band? No. That's what got you into the <laughs> midnight electric blue. Who is that? This is, is that the final honestly, countdown? This is the kind of riff that, like, like a, a keyboard player. Song. Okay, this is the kind of riff that a keyboard player goes like, oh, I'm, I bet that's like this. And then you play it once and you're like, okay, I got that. And if then the, we're like, good, we're doing that song. <laughs> no, 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 you never do it in front of anybody. Because <laughs> then you're doing that Think song. Think about this. Think, imagine this. Forever. The band, we're, we're performing. Mist, there's a mist there, much like the mist that leads to the House of Wax. Uh-huh. And then you step forward out of the mist, backlit. Guitar. protects keyboard players from having to play that song a lot <laughs> is that it's really hard to sing. Yeah. Well, it's really, really up there. Maybe that should way be our singer range. audition song, and if you can't sing Final Countdown, Get you can't out. be in our band. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's Get move on. Jeffy, thank yeah. you for that. Brian, yeah. What are you bringing as your guilty pleasure? Well, I'll, I'll say because these are two shameful songs. <laughs> <laughs> it won't stop. Yeah. It's, um, uh, you know. We'll see. We'll see how I do. I, I'm really <laughs> proud of uh, us sticking with the theme. I too was in the piano rock theme. Wow! In, okay. uh, in coming up with my guilty pleasure. Wow, we've pleasure. got three and, three yeah. keyboard based songs now. And I'll say that I'm a a huge fan of this artist. Truly, am. Uh, have seen this artist in concert. Um, I have almost all of their records on vinyl. I don't have this one, and I should I should get it. Um, why don't we just maybe we'll play the song and then I'll tell my little sure yeah. Yeah, yeah let's do it yeah no <laughs> why did it take you that long to get it? yeah seriously <laughs> because, because you were in <laughs> denial yeah. I couldn't believe it was happening to me Oh man! Now this is so. This is exactly the guilty pleasure. I want yeah, to not like this, but holy shit, my likeness! So I can't deny so it. Oh man! So you know what? So, and, and it's just right. a list. I love a yeah, good yeah. list. Is he rapping? Wait, for everybody, let's remember to be kind to our yeah. listeners. That yeah. is Billy Joel's yeah. oh. "We Didn't Start the Fire." Yes. Yeah, I, we got to so, talk about your denial for a second because it was like four, three majors in, and you were like. Oh God! Wait a minute. Is this weird? It can't the fire? be that. It can't be that. <laughs> I, 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 do, do you want? Do you want my honest reason why I couldn't recognize it? It yeah. didn't enter my mind that that song could be pleasurable for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it is so outside Whoa. of my worldview. Whoa! Wow! Whoa! I I, I, would I, I, saw, I saw him on this tour actually yeah, on the Stormfront tour. Um, so I have a I have a a fun story about this one. So uh, in around 2005. I was managing uh, a band called Czar, spelled T-S-A-R, definitely worth checking out, amazingly underrated band. And uh, at the time in Los Angeles, there was a radio station called Indy 103, if you guys remember Indy 103, and Steve Jones from the mm-hmm. Sex Pistols I that well. hosted a show called Jonesy's Jukebox. And well, artists yeah. would come on as, as mu- right. musical guest um, to Jonesy's Jukebox. So it was a big coup. I got Czar to appear on Jonesy's Jukebox. And Jonesy asked artists to come on and perform one of their songs acoustically, you know, just in a little studio, and a cover song. 
<laughs> Where's this headed? I hate this. <laughs> so this band, you know exactly was, where this is fucking what? headed. Where's this going, Kevin? Yeah. Oh, I'm intrigued. So the, the, this <laughs> band, tell us more. Tell us more. This band was like a glam rock band. Yeah, yes. It's a yes. very yeah, Kevin. Okay. Kevin would love this band. <laughs> yeah. They covered Billy Joel. We didn't start the fire. On top of it, we had to. So these lyrics or this list, this list, yes. it's it's not memorizable by anyone right. besides Billy Joel. I'm sure he has a teleprompter for it. Yeah. So we printed out, we had to type up the lyrics because it's 2005 and print them out. And I was holding this like long, it was like, you know, an 80s printer reel. So you were basically like, doing Bob Dylan's Subterranean Home. There, you go. Right. Oh, there wow. you go. Which this song steals from. Yeah, there you go. And Jonesy, Steve Jones and the Sex Pistols, staring at us like <laughs> we're absolute fucking morons it was a pinnacle of my career i got i got to side with jonesy on that one well i gotta say this song, <laughs> i think this song this song is the ultimate baby boomer song for for the reason not just the list of what happened for the complete denial of any, being any part of it that's why i hate it it's a denial <laughs> of responsibility we're, we're like hey not our problem everybody yeah. it was like that's when we got here yeah. and you know at the time when this song came out i i had you know as a lot of gen xers did i had tons of rage at the baby boom it's like has nobody else right. noticing how these guys like tore down our society and didn't put anything up in its place. Yes, and, and, then, and so, then, continuing to do so. Yeah, and then Billy Joel shows up and is like, hey, we don't start fire. <laughs> JFK <laughs> blown away. What else do I got to sing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. What, <laughs> happened? what happened? It was like this when I got here. <laughs> now, I, but I, I'm with Brian. I was just young enough to realize, oh, wait, recent history is real history. Yeah. And this list was kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and the music video was prev- prevalent everywhere, which yeah. was also interesting. Yeah, um, yeah it is just a list. And I want to not like it. I love it. In fact, I probably listen to this more than any other Billy Joel song. It's <laughs> amazing. I you mean, you mean the Downeaster Alexa? The other thing Shameless. is this song came out not too long after um, R.E.M.'s End of the World as we know it. True. So it felt I'm a sure. little bit more like uh, now Billy wants his version of a you very think, good song. Okay, That's also think, a song. And the last thing I want to point out is that in the last eight weeks, the Red Hot Chili Peppers dropped their first album in uh, in many, many years, and it contains a list song that is kind of the list song for Gen X. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. It? I haven't heard it. I heard it's a great record, actually. It but. is. It's a pretty good record, and, and the list song... What's uh, it called? It's on the Unlimited Love album, and it's called... The List Song. <laughs> the List Song. I think it's Poster Child. <laughs> Should help with dancing at the Taco Bell When someone heard a rebel yell I think it was an infidel yeah. Matt and Robert Plant with bentos of a sick of Spanish Robert Used to buy Ulysses Grant to record at the record plant Dude, they ripped off Billy Joel Ulysses Grant off Billy Joel Alright, cut that down But yeah, if you want to hear if you want to hear a new list song There it is So you're positing that Billy Joel heard R.E.M.'s It's the end of the world as we know You have a theory that he may have listened to R.E.M. I have a theory that he heard that on the radio. Um. You're you're saying Billy Joel listened to, to the radio? Yes, yes. You're making a lot of bold yeah. claims. I am making a lot of sure neighborhood. So than drunk, we do. he had no idea. <laughs> he was he was really drinking a lot at that <laughs> yes. time. Hey, Kevin Burke, what are you guilty about? You know because what, these are shameful, shameful you know songs. You know what is sheer madness about my choice? Yeah. I am completing the circuit of piano-based Unprecedented. songs. Unprecedented. Unprecedented. <laughs> Unprecedented. <laughs> Unprecedented again. <laughs> we have done it again. Every week. Every week we unprecedent something. Um, here's the deal. I was just watching uh, and really enjoying the uh, the miniseries Pam and Tommy reminding me of 
the time period of the late 90s, which was a sort of wild early internet time. And it's a great... Yeah. I highly recommend it. You know, it's a, it's a great um, TV show that recontextualizes something we all thought we understood and, and, and sees it from a new perspective. Um, in 1997, I'm going to take us back to the time period, Molly Crew made a record called Generation Swine that I love and no one else loves. I'm the only person who bought this record. Generation Swine? Generation Swine. It was like a glam metal meets electronica record. I right could, up my alley. I could not get enough of this record. I am in the minority about this. So in the midst of Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson's sex tape that's out there, and they're all sort of treated like cartoon characters, and we're all sort of just generally mocking them, Tommy Lee drops this piano ballad about his firstborn son that is so sincere that you're not supposed to like it in your 90s mind, because the 90s was where you couldn't write a love song unless it, was, unless it had the name of a chemical in it or something like that, like, like glycerine or something like that. Oh, yeah, just yeah, sort of, yeah. Just it was that, that time that, yeah. where having real emotions was not was not endorsed. And uh, this song, I want to not like it because the lyrics are just a, a statement of facts about his child. But I cannot deny that it's so, there's a purity to Tommy Lee's sincerity that, that, right. that came out at a time where they were just- What's it called? It's called Brandon. My favorite lyric is, you're seven pounds, two ounces. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I believe that's from the remix. That, that, that almost made it. <laughs> that's your Brandon. <laughs> Yeah. Right away, I got to point out to you, Kevin, you've misidentified the instrument. Those are violins. <laughs> Tommy Lee doesn't tell you he sings on any other song. He shows up on the very last song to perform this, on the very last song on the album to perform this song. And you shouldn't. I mean, I thought it was too cool for this. I wasn't. I would be like, yeah, it's a song he wrote about his son. And then as soon as people leave the car, I'd be like, I, I just have to ask, in a, son. I'd, be, I'd be crying. I'd be tearing up. Yeah. In a world of so many amazing songs about the miracle of one's child. Sure. In a world that has Isn't She one. Lovely and um, yeah. that song Gracie by Ben Folds. Just like some of the most gorgeous songs ever written about one's children. Both, both keyboard rock. By both way. keyboard rock. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like There's Brandon. a theme here. Brandon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what, I, what I love Brandon. I know what you're saying. I knew that this would. I I almost debated calling this a hidden treasure. <laughs> I can't was believe it. It was interchangeable, and I knew that Adam especially would be like, "Wait a minute, a sincere <laughs> song about a child. I can't. I can't deal with this. Deal with it. Maybe you're going to go home and get into Brandon. Maybe, or maybe I'll put Gracie on when I get maybe home. Brandon. Hey, uh, this is this is going to be really tough because what we have here is we have a song that is a wonderful walking cliche in Europe. 
you know, in we have one of the worst power ballads I've ever heard. I'm not sure it's powerful. It's more emotional. It's more emotional. We have we have a, a song that you probably can't play on the radio anymore because of its its abhorrent message <laughs> that was misconstrued. That kind of sarcasm doesn't live anymore. <laughs> How do and I even uh, <laughs> and a list and a, and a list song that that manages to be both musically and lyrically. The best song that Billy Joel ever Embarrassing. did. Embarrassing. Yes. Um, so th- this is this is a really tough task because now, Kyle, what what is a young man like you going to do for the crown of shame? <laughs> I mean, I think it's I think it's hands down. I think I've made my decision already. Okay. But I'm going to need a I'm going to need a drum roll, please. <laughs> and the crown of shame goes to. Adam LeFelber. Wow. <laughs> yeah, okay, I think that's your first one. Walk, I mean, yes, it's it is my your first one. one. Walk it us is. through. Why, okay. why, why do I win this? All right, so you win this one just mainly for the lyrics. I mean, it was going to be a tie with you and Kevin <laughs> because <laughs> Brandon. Yeah. Can't beat it. But, I mean, that's the little hands. Oh, and the little teeth or Wait, little eyes. Had you, had I, you I thought, heard that song before? Kyle? No, I had. No, I yeah, haven't. Thank you. Kyle. Oh, and I yeah. thought. Thank you. Yes, okay. I had the same. Feeling. I thought he was gonna like talk about like children or something. You know, I thought I was gonna. Be, oh no! 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 no. no. That's not what that song's about at all. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm glad you hadn't heard it either because I was. I was getting kind of nauseated as it was yeah. going, and I thought, how much of this? Really I was cracking to? up. This is. Well, there we go. So you were, you were also misconstruing the message. I didn't know what message to construe in it. I didn't, but I know it's Randy Newman, so there's probably different layers supposed to be there. But yeah. then I'm also know what's actually in the text, and that's uh, what usually most yeah. people go with. Yep. Yeah, it's in the text. <laughs> it's in the text. Oh God, that was that was that was some good good shame right there. Hey everybody, uh, send your questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences to dadbandland at gmail.com, or just let us know on our socials. The socials are going great guns, all of them. Dadbandland is produced by me. And Jeffy Brannion, opening musical montage by Jeffy, editing and Starburns production by the great Kyle McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. We'll see you next week, and if we feel like it, with our guest Jim Rhoda. Unless we decide to bump him off again. Unless we decide to bump him again. He's got the time. We might have some things to do. He's not doing anything. Maybe we'll cancel last minute. DBL. Star Bands Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.